This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, Reap Marez, this week I need to open up with an apology. This is the first time I've had to do this. We've had tech issues this week. It's all my fault. My microphone decided to just fail, just start failing, just stop picking up what I was saying, stop using the useful, useful voice notes that I'm giving it and just failed. So I do apologise for that. About five minutes into the pod this week, you are going to notice a difference between the volume of my microphone and the volume of Will's microphone. I really do hope that it's not overly distracted and doesn't destroy the entire episode. I feel like it's better to at least produce something though and put something out there rather than putting nothing out there at all. I would say that it's probably better to listen to without headphones on this week because then it's just not as much as a a turn up turn down turn up turn down experience you can get away with it slightly by listening to it without headphones with headphones it might be a little bit of adjusting turning things up and down in between the segments where me and wills are talking i apologize once again i'm sorry really sorry my microphone didn't work for the entirety of the show this week but it sounds like it's working now which means that we'll be back to our high standards again next week i hope you can still enjoy the podcast this week with myself and wills bye for now How's it going? Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is episode 39. We're going to be in our 40s next week. I can't think of anyone better to drag us through this mid-life podcasting crisis other than everybody's favourite co-host, Will. Say hello, Wills. Hello, Skelly. How are you getting on, man? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. You went <laughs> to the right, game. Yeah. You went to the game on Saturday, didn't you? What was that like? Was it cold? Is it getting a bit? Is it feeling like autumn now? At it Park? wasn't cold on Saturday. No, Saturday was quite decent for weather. Nice, um, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like they had a pretty, pretty much a, a, a good crowd uh, there, like a little bit above average. Did you, did you feel that at all? I mean, Tranmere brought a lot of fans. Tranmere had almost a thousand fans, so that's going to kind of. Uh, I think they had like nine hundred. So 
that's going to kind of boost the attendance a bit. Yeah, man. Um, well, you know, Tranmere obviously do have a quite loyal and large support group, which I think involves... Um, what's that name of that referee that's a Tranmere fan? Have you seen all that? Mike graphic? Dean. Mike Dean. Have you seen the video of Mike Dean? <laughs> like supporting Tranmere, like popping Malvin seen, off. Yeah, I've seen various videos of him. He gets kind of caught out in the crowd, got picked up by the TV cameras quite a few times when he's there. <laughs> and there was that time he had to kind of uh, become the fourth official, or did he? Was he fourth official or on the line? I think it was on the. I think he was actually the fourth official. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he didn't fancy the running, <laughs> not on his day off. <laughs> I don't. I think that would have been maybe. I don't know. Maybe it would have been a bit too controversial if it kind of. Mike Dean had been the linesman. Well, to be fair, that's probably right, yeah. Having a bit of crack <laughs> on the sideline as a fourth official is probably just the right amount of closeness that a, a supporter should have to yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, we're having a bit of a joke and a laugh, and uh, to be honest, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead because uh, we've got to kick things off with traditional segments here on the Blue Army podcast. <laughs> so that means it's time for... The Blue Army Podcast, Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. The Blue Army Podcast. Joke of the Week. Get it. Get it. We're going blue. We're going blue this week in honor of the blues. We're going to go a little bit blue this week, okay? My granddad had a stroke this week. Oh, I'll, I'll get the I'll get the tone right. Sorry, my granddad had a stroke this week. Oh, he found an old picture of grandma and he couldn't help himself. The dirty old bugger. Oh, grim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This week on the pod, we are going to kick things off by taking a look at United's new signing, Mark Howard, followed by the match crack as we take a more in-depth look at Carlisle United's last result against Tramia. Due to the way we record the podcast, we'll be skipping over anything about Newport County game that'll be happening tomorrow night at the time of recording. And obviously we release things on Wednesday. So unfortunately, we won't have the time in our schedule to talk about the Newport County game. That would have been and gone by the time of our next recording. So we're going to jump ahead and take a look at our weekend opponents who are Oldham. And finally, before we sign off, we might have a bit of an update on the latest management potential new managers updatey sort of crack at the end of the show. So we'll have a little look at where the odds have gone in the last seven days since the last time we talked about the potential Carlisle United managers. But we'll kick things off by having a look at Carlisle United's newest signing, Mark Howard. So we signed him on a free agent. Uh, he's not a loan signing, so he's here until the end of the year. Um, so only until the end of the, uh, the start of January, sorry, at the moment. So Mark Howard, a goalkeeper that's been up and down the divisions. Last season, he played 35 games for Scunthorpe at this level, uh, a team that kind of struggled. So he's got experience not too far removed from this kind of a campaign. My first reactions were, didn't really have a clue who he was, I'll be completely honest. Did a bit of research, and uh, obviously during the game, he was quite impressive. 
We'll go on to talk about his performance a little bit later on. But for now, Wills, um, yeah. what are your first reactions to the signing of Mark Howard? Um, well, I thought, you know, <clears throat> he's coming with a bit of experience. And, I, you know, I thought that could be the kind of thing that we need because we've got, like, you know, we've got two young goalkeepers, uh, Lucas Jensen's young um, Mark, um, Magnus Norman's still fairly young, isn't he? Um, and that's kind of shown a bit as a weakness in some of the games we've played earlier this season. Um, Norman doesn't really kind of like have that authority in his area. He doesn't communicate much and he doesn't, doesn't command his box so much. So, you know, my hope was that bringing in an experienced goalkeeper, even if he is from, you know, has just been released by a team who had a poor season last season, still I thought his experience could only improve us. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously we'll talk about his performance a little bit later on. 35 years of age, Mark Howard started his training with Arsenal, uh, made a couple of loans, mainly with Falkirk, where he made his first professional appearances. It was a couple of years later, um, on another move to the Scottish League, where he started getting more regular first-team football with St Mirren, then Aberdeen. Then he made the move over to England, Blackpool, Sheffield United, Bolton Wanderers, and uh, Blackpool again. He was on loan at Salford, and like I said last season, he was with Scunthorpe and played a lot of games with Scunthorpe last season. Um, like I said, didn't really know much about him at first. Mm -hmm. I've done a bit of research on him, seen him knocking about the place, and obviously seen the size of him, uh, the sort of goalkeeper that he's uh, been rumoured to have the characteristics of. He's very level-headed, it looks like. Um, very sort of... Uh, um, his experience shows on the pitch, you know, very calm um, yeah. when he's playing is his reputation. So, um, yeah, it's probably what we need right now is a goalkeeper with experience. Uh, it's what we don't have. And um, definitely a great choice for somebody that the current goalkeepers can maybe learn from. Uh, do you know much about Norman's injury? Do you know how long Norman's going to be gone for? Yeah, I think I said, was it um, something like 12 weeks or something? It's a fairly long one. I can't remember if that's the exact figure that was quoted, but, you know, it's one of those ones he's going to be out for a good chunk of the season. Yeah, I mean, because what I wanted to talk about, obviously, is the impact that this is going to have on Jensen's mindset and Norman's mindset. Norman will probably be wanting to push into the Carlisle United first team as soon as he's fit again. Um, but well, if Mark yeah. Howard's doing a good job, then obviously they'll look to extend his contract. I think goalkeepers. I think goalkeepers must be fairly used to that, though. Um, I think we maybe uh, discussed it before on this pod when we were talking about Farman and Norman last season. That um, as a goalkeeper, if you're doing good, you don't get dropped. Usually, even if you're doing all right, you don't get dropped. And you know, Norman probably expects now that that he has to fight his way back into the team when he returns. I don't think there'll be any assumption from him at all that as soon as he's fit again, he'll just go back into the team. Um, as for Jensen, you know, um, was he brilliant again in the previous game? Because I, 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 can, I can still see that we could probably 
I mean, we did need to go out and sign a new keeper, um, either on loan or short term like this because of the injury to Norman. And I do feel like it's a good signing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and there's always, you know, you know, from Jensen's point of view, he's a very young keeper. There's always going to be the chance that when your club have to go out and bring in a new keeper, they end up bringing in someone in who's actually more experienced and goes ahead of you in the pecking order. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think these are just the sort of things that goalkeepers are used to. You know, they are all competing for one spot after all, and any goalkeeper is probably at times in their career, going to spend an extended spell just sitting on the bench, never actually being used. So I think it's something that they're kind of used to and that hopefully it it doesn't have the same sort of mental sort of morale impact as it might do if, say, an outfield player came in to cover injury and then was immediately dropped when someone else signed Jensen's kind of been brought in to be the number two. So if your number one, who is Norman, gets injured, then obviously you're going to look to bring in another number one rather yeah. than going to be a rival for Jensen, I guess. But it does look like there isn't much backing for Jensen uh, this season at Palo United at all. It looks like he's there just to sort of fill a slot. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see when Mark Howard comes to the end of this contract at the beginning yeah. of January. And obviously there's a season-long loan in place for Jensen. It yeah. What happens uh, in January? Because I don't think Carlisle United board will want to pay that many goalkeepers to be on pro contracts. Well, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, um, you know, um, Magnus Norman comes back around about, well, I don't know, 12 weeks. Is that going to take him through the transfer window? No, I don't think it will. So, say Magnus Norman returns, then the club have to decide, I would, you know, we're going to keep one of the two. If no, you know, if, um, if, if, if Howard does well, then, you know, they're probably, and, and Burnley might probably at that point want to have Jensen back and maybe find somewhere else for him to go and get, and, and get more game time. That's what I'm thinking because of the way that Howard performed in the game. So let's go ahead yeah. and start talking about Carlisle United versus Tranmere. Unfortunately, it was 1-0 to Tranmere. Like I think we've already said and established, you were at the game. Yeah. As per tradition, again, on the Blue Army podcast, not only do we have the joke of the week, we always go through the Carlisle United start and lineup. And this is a yeah. lineup that has been chosen by caretaker manager Gavin so, in goal, as we've discussed, Howard making his debut, Whelan yeah. at right-back, Feeney, McDonald and Armour making up the rest of the defence, Gibson, Guy, Mellish and Dixon apparently in the midfield with Clough and Alessandra up front. Now, I've seen various formations for this lineup for the yeah. game. Um, I don't know if it was a 4-4-2. I don't know if it was a 4-3-3. I don't know what it was, mate, but you would have had a better look at it than I got to Yeah. So what, what, what do you think Carly United lined up? How did they line up in, in terms of shape? It was a 4-4-2, yeah. Obviously with, um, you know, Clough sitting a bit deeper and Alessandra more up front. But, um, yeah, other than that, yeah, it was just a 4-4-2 
with um, the two midfielders in Mellish and Guy, and then um, Dickinson and. Who was on the other wing? Gibson. <laughs> yeah. I'll edit, I'll edit that long pause out, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> because <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Stop teasing. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there was a point as well where um, Dickinson and Gibson switched wings as well. And maybe when they did that... Um, they also kind of moved forward a little bit more and maybe that was was kind of like a little bit more of a 4-3-3. But I think for most of the match, yeah, it was... I think for most of the match, it was just 4-4-2. It definitely changed things up after Carlisle uh, went a goal down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you said that it was a 4-4-2. So at least I've got a clear picture of what I'm looking at in front of me. Gibson and Dickinson playing on either side. Yeah, they're probably the best wingers that we've got in the lineup. Yeah. And Malish in the midfield. Yeah, again, probably the strongest midfield you can put together. The back line is obviously being put together because there's a couple of injuries knocking around back there. It is nice yeah. to see he's getting a run of games, though. He seems to be a player that's, that's finally been getting like a couple of games under his belt now, back to back. Yeah, he did well. Did he do well? Yeah, did he stand out for you? I wouldn't say stood out. Um, you know, overall, we looked a bit better defensively than we have done. Um, I guess it's hard to tell because Tramier, you know, Tramier have scored, had scored even fewer goals than we had going into this. So we've been complaining about how toothless we are up front. And then, despite their high league position, actually even more toothless than we are. So, um, you know, maybe a good defensive performance against Tramia isn't necessarily that easy. But, you know, we looked fairly competent. Um, you know, Rob McDonald, I guess you want to get onto his own goal at some point. But other than that, it looked kind of good to have him back because he's got a bit more experience. Because without him and without Mella, who is injured, I think, isn't he? He, he, he um, did the half-time draw, but I... <laughs> Yeah, he did. He, he he came on the pitch for the half-time raffle draw. Um, I presume that he's injured. Um, and without him and McDonald, it's very, you know, very young players we've got back there. So, but Howard and McDonald, sort of both in that defensive unit, it seemed, seemed like, you know, that was an improvement. We looked a bit more organised. Yeah, like I said earlier, Howard did look very relaxed this game. Um... Yeah. Just, just the way that he carries himself. He does look very calm on the pitch. He looks like he's capable of, you know, pulling off most things. Yeah. I will say Tramia didn't really test him. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was going to go on to say this. The first half, there was lots of good work happening. As yeah. There was, lots, there was lots of good work happening in the first half. There were some chances being made, but nothing of actual real quality in the final third from either team. Um, yeah, he was very I comfortable on his debut, and Whelan at right back, I felt like was doing pretty well from the sounds yeah. that I got on the radio. Uh, but did, did did anything else stand out for you in the first half? Would you have when we were talking yeah. about the lineup there? Would you have maybe started with a different attack, or or would you have maybe changed uh, something that would have uh, yeah. a bit more venom to the attack? 
feel, yeah, I feel like, you know, we were lacking an actual proper centre forward. Um, you know, uh, we we had two of them on the bench um, in, uh, in, in, in Young and also uh, Abrahams. But, you know, um, we had a couple of, I mean, I mean, we had the better chances, definitely, in the, certainly in the first half. I thought, you know, we're, we're not looking quite good, but we're looking like a massive improvement on previously. Um, Zach Clough forced a pretty good, a pretty good save from their keeper in the first half. Um, after jo- better with that, to be honest, I feel like he should have gone just on the near post there. He just looked to do the basic thing and just hit it. He just lashed it. It was down the other end of the pitch from me, so maybe I didn't kind of see that part of it. I, I did see him, you know, it, it was a it was a well created chance, and I think there was I don't know if it was the same chance that John Gibson. Um, latched onto a, a mistake by one of the Tramia defenders, I think it was. So you know, in in that respect, you know, things seem to be working in a in a sense. But it would have been better if there'd been someone up there like a Jabo, you know, or just someone who was centre forward. You get the balls to me in the right area. I will really threaten the goalkeeper. To me, like the chance for Clough there, I've just watched it again back there on the YouTube. We're not going to do a watch along this week, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, but I am going to be watching the highlights as Wills is talking. I'm sure Wills does something very similar while I'm talking as well, just to keep it. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a chance that that, that you know it, it it was a lucky chance to be honest. Like Callum Guy there, his his crossing sort of deflected and it just lands in front of Clough and you think if he sticks it on the goalkeeper's front post top corner rather than trying to go to his far post he can hit it harder and he can you know maybe pick a spot he just sort of lashed at it there for me and um, yeah he should have yeah. looked, looked up and seen where the goalkeeper was and he would have realised where was a better place to put the ball maybe but again it's it's one of those things about not having a proper centre forward maybe a proper centre forward would know the difference there yeah did you watch that back? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, yeah, it looks like it's kind of curving away from goal. Um, I mean, you know, could he have taken a touch? Does he have the quality to do that? We've seen he has some quality. I don't know if he could have... don't know if he necessarily needed to hit it first time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He lashed at it. Yeah. He should have looked, you know, he's got the opportunity to look up there. And... You know, a goal scorer that, that hasn't scored goals in a while, that looks a bit desperate to score goals again. Fair? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so the first half, like I said, sort of went on without much of a whimper. Carlisle's defence looked okay. Whelan, for me, stood out being quite comfortable at right back. But you want that height to be in the centre of the defence. The centre of the defence didn't look that good in the air for me. Um, yeah. That good in the air for me. And if you start losing those battles in the centre of defence in the air, the possession will get away from you and you don't see as much as the ball. Um, and yeah. If you're playing the ball on the ground, you want to be able to see as much as the ball as possible. Yeah. I mean, my thought was kind of um, we've got divine and Riley both on the bench, both of who can play at right back, but we've chosen instead 
oh, Skelton has chosen instead to move Whelan, who've been doing pretty well at centre back. Um, I know, like, um, not so well in the last few games, but over all this season, I'd say he's kind of. I'd, over all this season, I'd say it kind of like cemented a spot for himself in centre back. But Skelton's chosen to move him out to right back and bring Feeney in, which is probably testament to Feeney because I think Feeney's had, you know, is 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 had some chances and um, you know, he's shown that he's kind of you know he's com- he's competed well and shown that he's worth a place in the starting lineup, but. Would I have st- would I have maybe still chosen to keep uh, to keep um, Whelan at centre back and bring in one of either Divine or Riley to go at right back? I don't know because we ended up with Riley at right back in the second half. So I was going to ask about that, but obviously first of all we'll talk about the goal. Um, yeah, Carlisle went on without a whisper, without a whisper in the first half. So did Tranmere, not a lot happening. And then there was a chance that looked like one of many chances in the first half where Tranmere attacked down Carlisle's left-hand side. Yeah. And, um, I mean, what can you say? Did it bobble? I think it might have bobbled. I feel quite sorry. It might have done. It's, I mean, it's... I don't want to slander David Mitchell's pitch. I'm not yeah. I'm just saying it might, it might have bobbled there. And, I, I mean, I want to give McDonald the benefit of the doubt, actually. I want to say it bobbled there. Unlucky. Yeah, I mean, it would be a bad miss hit if it didn't bobble. And uh, there's, you know, there's a certain it's 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 a good cross, um, but it looks like you know, it looks like our defense have it covered. Um, it it doesn't look like it's necessarily one of those where the defender has to just lunge at and get something on. I mean, uh, if 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 well, McDonald could have could have controlled that. If he leaves it, I think it looks like Armour's probably gone to get to it. But, um, you know, maybe it did just bobble up or something. It's unfortunate. Um, and speaking to the Tranmere fans, it just kind of like sums up their season that they get a 1-0 win, courtesy of a known goal, because they... It's basically they defend extremely well but can't score, so needed a little bit of help in that regard. Yeah, I think I saw on the Blue Army TV YouTube channel, uh, Liam Denwood said that Tranmere haven't actually scored a goal away from home this yeah. season, so we helped them. Uh, yeah, they've scored fewer goals than we have, and so they had the guy up front, Elliot Nevin, or ne- Nevit, who they kind of plucked out of non-league, and you know, not wanting to be rude to him because maybe he's, you know, maybe he's looks different in different games. But he just, he looked very much like a non-league striker in the game that we play. You know, in the game on Saturday, strong, bit of a lump maybe. Um, the ball did land. You know, the ball did come to him at a nice area. And one, there was like one point where they did kind of carve us open a bit. It's probably the only time in the game, maybe there's only a couple of times in the game where they proper got in behind us. Um, and this was not long after after the goal. They got in behind us. Uh, Nevitt had a free header in the area and managed to head it clear of the area and launch a Carlisle counter-attack. So he he actually managed to he actually managed to put a header on it that that a defender would have been quite proud of. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's like that just seemed to sum up the game. <laughs> There's a few moments later where one of our players made a bit of a basic error. Bella um, brought down one of Tramir's attackers in a bit of a desperate tackle where he was trekking back and the attacker sort of twisted and then Mello was just on the wrong side of his guy, tried to get back across him. It was a really poor, poor tackle, but yeah, really poor penalty as well. And the really poor penalty was saved from Mark Howard. What do you have to say about the penalty being given and then the save? Um, so I mean, I've probably got a better, you know, I've, I've got a better idea of it from watching the thing, from watching the YouTube replay than I did from the, uh, at the time, but. Yeah, at the time, you know, just kind of thought, here we go. Um, the the game's going to be out of sight already. Because at that point, you know, we had... It, it was still early in the second half, and we'd been all right in the first half. And Tramia had been a bit wasteful. So I, at that point, I hadn't given up hope that we were going to get a draw. Certainly, it seemed possible. But concede a penalty, and immediate thought was... Here we go. Um, I didn't see. I didn't see how bad at the time that Mellish's tackle was. You can watch it on YouTube, and he does look pretty clumsy. But I, you know, what stood out for me at the time the penalty was given was that they had really kind of cut inside and sort of sliced us open a bit. And I was actually expecting that they were going to score the goal before the penalty was given anyway. Feet are actually off the ground as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It does look like it, it was desperate to make the tackle because it did look like they were going to score a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It does look like they were going to score a goal anyway, and he stopped stopped that from happening. No card yeah. either, considering you know he left both of his feet and gave away a penalty. No card. Uh, sorry, not yeah. Mellish. Mellish. It was an odd one, really. The referee was a bit odd all game because he, he he gave out some fairly soft looking yellow cards. Um, I was kind of like you know um, concerned that maybe Mike Dean had done it again and he'd somehow managed to get onto the pitch because um, there was a few times when I thought that we were you know, you know that we'd earned free kicks in dangerous positions um, bit of manhandling from some of the Tramir defenders at times but nothing and then we seemed to kind of get Free kicks for very soft, for very soft fouls. But you know, n- no complaints about the penalty. And then you know, like you say, a, a little bit surprised that, that Melish never actually got booked for it. Yeah, exactly. He never got booked for it, but there's still a penalty. It's a bit of a strange yeah. incident altogether. Obviously, referees at this level sometimes a bit more susceptible to sort of emotions and also their own sort of integrity rather than following the rules of the game. 100% of the time, so sometimes a referee feels like giving a penalty away is enough of a punishment, and you don't yeah. you, know, you don't necessarily get a yellow card, whereas if that took place in the centre of the park, that would definitely be a yellow card. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't quite tell from the YouTube, maybe it looks worse than it is, you know, maybe it's, it sort of lunges in, but maybe he only makes minor contact. Sorry, just making a note there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carlisle brought on Abrahams to Clough who was on a yellow and at the same time they brought on Riley to Whelan 
um, like we've already said, you were at the game. Were those yeah. the changes that you would have made? No. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I can see, I can see keeping, I can see bringing Abraham's on. I'd have kept Clough on though. I thought Clough was, I thought Clough was kind of like starting to, starting to have the sort of game that you want him to have, where he's sitting behind and he was getting plenty of the ball, and you know, and he was, he, he, it seemed like he was able to work with it better than he was before. You know. Um, he wasn't just chasing after long balls and stuff. He was actually getting ball defeat and, you know, and being able to beat his man and find another pass or something. So, um, Alessandra had a surprisingly decent game considering that we haven't really seen him up front much. And he, um, he actually had the beating in the air of, um, the vastly more experienced, well, is it more, yeah, vastly more experienced than everyone and taller, Peter Clark at times. Um, so maybe I'd have made a, a, a genuine attacking substitution and taken someone off, brought either Young or Abrahams on, but kept both Clough and Alessandra on because, you know, going for the win after all and, you know, we kind of like throw caution to the wind that Tram may have been very wasteful up front and that we can maybe afford to go a bit less defensive. Might have might have maybe considered bringing Armour off and going three at the back, but but like with attacking wing backs, not five three two, but you know, three five two with kind of Gibson and, and Dickinson still in there. Yeah. 
nice and slowly every week. For me, it has to be Mr. Debut Man himself, Mark Howard. Uh, obviously, saving the penalty. I know we lost 1-0. Don't yeah. No, it wasn't his fault. He couldn't have done anything about the own goal. Exactly. And also, if, if you're watching the highlights, you'll notice that when the own goal goes in, he's the first person to tap McDonald on the shoulder and pick him up and say, come on, lad, crack on. Yeah. Good character. Just good character. What about you, man? What's your Foxy speech in? Mother of the match. Um, it's a difficult one. I think nobody stood out as brilliant, so I can see I can see a logic behind going for Mark Howard because he saved a penalty, and that was probably kind of like the biggest thing that any of our players did in the game was saving a penalty. So yeah, I was I was on the fence, and I wasn't sure who to give it to, and you just made my mind up for me. So I'm gonna give it to Mark Howard as well. Howard on his debut claims a double-headed pointed Foxy's feature. Man of the match, which puts him in about probably joint fourth place with lots of other people. <laughs> game, so you could quite easily climb that table. Yeah, uh, it's quite kind of, you know. Now we can talk about his performance a bit more. Um, a really good debut for me. I was impressed. He looked really comfortable throughout. Uh, gets himself in good positions, it seems, to make the saves look like easy saves. Like you've said, though, Tramia didn't necessarily cause him too much trouble. Yeah, true. Um, they, I think they actually, as a check, they might have only had the they might have only had one shot on target, not including the own goal, which wasn't a shot. Doesn't count as a shot if it's an own goal. Um, there is one. They, I think it was Jay Spearing, kind of hit one in the in the first half from kind of outside the box and was fairly well hit. But Howard was behind it all the way. Um, he did gather up a couple um, kind of balls into the area. So. Okay. Um, well, hopefully, Mark Howard's going to continue his good form going into next weekend's opponents. Like I've said, we won't be talking about Newport, so sorry about that. But yeah, next weekend's opponents are all the. Athletic. Now, all of them just beat Stevenage by three goals to nil this weekend. So that's why Mark Howard has to be in good form. All of them are a team that are obviously going through a lot of stuff off the pitch right now. There's fan protests happening. The board don't want to sell up. And Carlisle... A looking over at Oldham, perhaps some Carlisle United fans looking over at Oldham to see what you know a protest looks like and uh, to see what fans do. Maybe if they're upset with the board and they want the board out, and maybe yeah. we could see a reaction stirring in our own supporters very soon. That's very similar to what's happening over at Oldham. Um, Oldham aren't doing very well this season on the pitch. Uh, this weekend they did win. Last weekend they drew, and that's almost half of their points tally for the season. So this is their best run of form so far this season. Yeah. So that's a bit worrying for us. But we do need to pull ourselves out of this nosedive. And pound for pound, we've got a better squad than all them, I think. So Maybe. I'd take, I'd take, I'd take a 1-0. I would. I'd take a 1-0. I just want it to be 1-0 to Carlisle, mate. What, what, what are your views going ahead on to next week? I mean, I would, 
I would definitely take a one nil. I would honestly, but I, I probably meant would I take a draw? I think Oldham, are, you know, I think Oldham have kind of turned the corner a bit. Keith Curl, you know, he knows how to uh, he, he knows how to grab a squad by the scruff of the neck and get more out of them. They have some really good players. They've got a Dylan Bahambula. Who on his day is one of the best players in the you know in the division, so you know they are a dangerous team and they're a team that's hit form and you know they've got a manager who knows how to who knows how to make a squad fight and uh, the protests you know don't seem to be affecting the squad but I think that's another. I think that's another one of Keith Curl's strengths is to is to get is is to get morale up in a squad where there's issues between the owner between the owners and the fans. You know, Keith Curl's quite good at kind of deflecting you know deflecting attention away from the squad and and you know just kind of like getting the squad into that sort of like bubble where that sort of stuff doesn't affect them. Um, I don't know. They, they've had some decent results and kind of as a result, we're now in the relegation zone where they were. The elite yeah, the elite yeah. So uh, but I'm a bit concerned for this one. And, No wins in the last five. Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, we've had four games in a row without scoring, losing. So, like, six defeats, but we're on a run. It It was two defeats before this run started. So, a lot of the kind of, like, I know we were kind of, like, didn't make a great start of the season was sliding down the table but it's definitely kind of like just in this month that or just in the kind of like this month and the last month as well just just in the last four weeks that um that things are kind of like really turned on us but at the same time it's 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 not such a big slump that you can't see us getting out of it so, but it's difficult to see us get, getting out of it without a new manager. I think I think we need like new new thinking in the building. Yeah, I feel like that would definitely help. Some new blood. No offense to Gav Skelton, but I feel like maybe it's time for him to maybe move on. And when the new manager comes in, bring in a completely new sort of backroom staff and try and just change the culture up a bit at Carlisle United and just start something new. Uh, talking about something new. There's a number of new names that have appeared in Carlisle United's managers, what is it, tip to be Bucky's kind of favourites list? Uh, yeah. Names that have been appearing over the weekend. Some of them quite exciting. Some of them out of nowhere. Uh, one of them out of nowhere is a man by the name of Marvin Bartley. He's came in at 8-1. to one. He's the assistant manager over at Livingston. Now that's kind of came out of nowhere for me. Did you see that popping up? Uh, no, no. Um, 
have the bookies actually started giving odds on him even because the because what as he at, at the time that he was at the time that he was described as the front runner in Scottish newspapers, there were no bookies actually actually offering odds on him. So I'm not sure where where they've got their information from. Probably the but, places that we got our information from. <laughs> oh, we got our information from them. But the, not the bookies. We got it from. Oh yeah. But maybe the bookies have got their information from the Scottish papers. Maybe the bookies are only... Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, where the, the Scottish papers, where have they got their information from? Oh, they'll just do anything to sell <laughs> So are we saying that Marvin Bartley's just not even in the running? They've just made that up. <laughs> I bet it's probably applied. Uh... There'll, be a, there'll be enough truth in it for them to stick it in a local newspaper. Maybe it's after a new contract. A the newspaper. Maybe he's after a new contract at his current club and he's mates with a local journalist who says, I'll tell you what, I'll print something linking you with a Carlisle job and maybe that'll maybe that'll help your negotiations if you think that you're a print runner. All these underhanded things, mate. Oh, they're all, <laughs> all the time in football. <laughs> One of the other new names to appear is quite an exciting name. Ryan Mason, a man who took temporary charge over at Tottenham for a while after Mourinho left, I believe. Yep. Um, that would be cool, right? That will change. That'll shake up a lot, right? I think he's only 30 now. Uh, he is. Still. And, yeah, that would be cool, right? Yeah, although I said I don't know much about him. Um, the fact that Tottenham named him as their caretaker manager... I don't know. Does that necessarily mean that he's a good manager, or does that just mean that he was the right person in the right place at the right time for them? I feel like there's a lot of that to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was injured, so Tottenham was still paying him. And yeah. Mourinho left, and he said, "You know, I was doing my coaching badges anyway. We're not. It's not like we're going to get relegated this season. Just let me take us through to the end of the season." <laughs> yeah. Said, yeah. I'm already paying you, and you're doing nothing. So yeah. <laughs> I don't leave his life. He's a, he's a dealer. So, like, word for word, that's pretty much the conversation that probably took place. Yeah. Okay. And you know, like he did all right as Tottenham manager, but I don't know how you judge. I don't know how you judge people in that sort of situation because these are Premier League squads that have been coached all season by one man, Mourinho, and. You, you probably almost feel like in this situation, and certainly with players of that quality, you take away the manager and the players will just organise themselves for a bit. And that might almost be what happens at, at places like Spurs where they appoint someone like Ryan Mason. So, like, I mean, I would almost kind of view him as a, as a complete unknown. But I don't know. I don't know. But maybe, I mean, maybe he's in the running. Maybe he's not. Maybe there's something in there. Maybe he's a... You know, maybe he's got something about him. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Such a, such a quandary. Yeah. I think people are just surprised that he's been mentioned. I feel like, yeah, maybe it's just one of those shock names that they like to throw in there just to stir some more interest and make some, yeah. bet some more money because that's what bookies are all about, really. Um, some of the other 
names that have started to appear. I'm going to just go through some of the ex-Carlisle managers and ex-Carlisle yeah. players that normally do the rounds every time this job becomes available that weren't on the list last week. And we've seen Paul Simpson join the list. He's at 25 to 1. Uh, Paul Furwell also joins the list at 25 to 1. Mm-hmm. Neil McDonald, another guy joining the list at 25 yeah. to 1. Which took a while for Neil McDonald to get added to the list. <laughs> I feel like they're just throwing Hail Marys in there. I feel like, oh, we'll just go through the decades. I mean, yeah, I mean, the book is definitely kind of have a standard list for each club of former players who are now managing or coaching or have ever been linked with managing the club in the past, who they, I mean, because especially when it comes to former players, you know, their bookies and their business is getting people to spend money on bets that don't come in. So if... If if they can put up a few names there, the fans will will jump on and want to put a bit of money on, even if they're way underpriced. You know that's 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 good business from the bookies. That I mean, obviously, I said I said before they always put Jimmy Glass in the Jimmy Glass at like somewhere like five hundred to one. Even that, I would say those those odds are a bit short. I would expect Jimmy Glass to be <laughs> a man who's a, a man who just works as a taxi driver in Bournemouth since since a sort of fairly brief football career. I don't think he's in the running to be our next manager. I would expect more than five hundred pounds for a for a quid bet if that happens. <laughs> shakers i'll go through now somebody you mentioned last week on the podcast john mcgrill has gone right to the top of the bookies favorites yes there now obviously you spoke about him last week so um i don't want you to just cover all the ground but yeah it makes sense doesn't it for you yeah i mean like of all the managers that are sort of in the frame for you know for, for, for any league two team and i'm just gonna have a look now and see is he kind of similar odds for Newport? But, um, you know, he kind of like stands out as someone who has a fair bit of experience at this level. And a, sorry? Uh, I right, so he's still fairly long odds for Newport. So he's okay, fair enough. And I was, I was just wanting to check in case he was kind of like, they were just kind of putting him a short odds for any job because he was, seems to be a logical next choice for a lot of clubs because he has managed to this level before and he's done all right. Uh, if you look at Colchester, both before they appointed him and since he left, they've been poor. They have issues with their club ownership. And, um, you know, given, given their form both before and after him, it almost seems like he'd done an excellent job with them to get them to some mid-table finishes. Exciting signing, though, is it really? When you think about it, it's, it's not something. Whatever that... is, I mean. Mason. <laughs> what? Exciting signing. Mason will be an exciting signing. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> exciting, you know. Um, but it's not, you know, John McGrill's not necessarily anybody that's gonna whet anyone's appetite. It's not anybody gonna yeah. be a reason why somebody's gonna buy a season ticket. 
I, I don't think I don't think even Ryan Mason is gonna be a reason to sell season tickets. At, at the end of the day, wins sell season tickets, and you know whoever can get us to win some games, they're gonna be the exciting signing, the exciting managerial appointment that will sell season tickets. Names that have ended up dropping away from the race obviously include Danny Granger and Peter Murphy. Their odds have been lengthened significantly. Um, yeah, I feel like, like we yeah. mentioned, about the bookies stirring excitement with certain names. And those yeah, are- well, didn't David Holdsworth drop a few hints? Did he? Did he? But he, de- he described the kind of manager that, that he was looking for. And he mentioned experience and someone who had managed at a higher level. Right, okay, okay. So I think, I'm wondering if maybe like it's just the case that Holdsworth has said that in a press in a press release. So the book is a thought would best lengthen the odds on all these kind of managers who haven't managed in the league before. Yeah. Dropping away as, as the weeks go on. How much longer do you think it's going to go on before they actually appoint somebody, though? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if it is to be, say, uh, John McGreal, someone on that list, then you'd think that there might be a fairly advanced stage of negotiation because I, I get the impression that McGreal would probably want the job. Uh, I think he might be sort of. Southeast based because he used to play for Ipswich, then manage Colchester. So that might be the area of the country where he lives. He's from Liverpool originally. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he had a he had a brief dalliance with Swindon in which he didn't manage any games. Um, left, yeah, he left, left, and then their owner left as well. So, um, yeah, I feel like. I can't see any big reason why McGreal wouldn't want the job. If he's prepared to work for Swindon's owners, then I don't think we can say that he'd be put off by working with John Nixon, you know, however prickly John Nixon can be. I think Swindon's owners, previous owners were probably worse. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think think we might have... a couple of games because we've got two games this week. I think so. I think that will be what three games for Skelton overall, and then a new manager probably. We can have a bit of a laugh and a joke about Newcastle's takeover and the people that they can sign, and then and then just finish it off if you want. Yeah, always good for a laugh, Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we'll open this bit. Uh... <laughs> joke of the today's joke of the week. Newcastle United. <laughs> Will's, Will's joke of the week this week. Let's talk about Newcastle United for a little bit. Our our northern sort of neighbours. Uh, it's cool. It's cool uh, to see another powerhouse enter the football pyramid. And yeah. it's exciting to see that they're going to be investing heavily into their youth academies and obviously the trickle down effects that they yeah. have will be will be you know maybe quite juicy and nice for a team like us to get affiliated with 
Newcastle. Fair, yeah, fair That's point. That's all speculation. That's all speculation. And uh, there's a lot of speculation around Newcastle. And some Newcastle fans are- getting very carried away. Very carried away. Someone, I saw someone put on Twitter and it was like, it was a Newcastle fan saying, this is going to be Newcastle's team uh, squad next season. And they had just like Haaland and I think like everyone was in there. Uh, I can't remember everyone who was in there. Did have done a rumour in goal? I don't know. But they just basically had... They basically had the best. They basically had the best player in every position, and San Maximan. <laughs> San Maximan, because he already is the best player in the world in this position. Ask any Newcastle fan; they'll tell you that. He's the best player in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> players around him, and now he's going to get yeah. players around. Him. I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. I've I've definitely been on the phone to my boy O'Killian. Right. Uh, so like, yeah, we can. I've, I've I've said to him, you know, we can. We can take these, you know. We can. I reckon. I reckon we get in now. Negotiate a contract for you. Yeah. I, I reckon they'll be throwing money about for now. That they, they might ease off in the next couple of years once they've kind of. But but you know, right now, if, you know, if you want to get a, if 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 you want to get an eight figure signing on fee, now's the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Now is the time. I walked walked into work and my mate just put the uh, sort of Football 5 Live thing on and somebody was calling in. They were talking about the Newcastle takeover. Incredibly excited people. Incredibly excited people. But for some reason, they they do let themselves down sometimes, the Geordies. They they get really excited, but there's still a small contingent that can get carried away. Yeah. um, (laughs) <laughs> there were still uh, groups of supporters wearing like Egyptian style hats and <laughs> it's completely missing the mark over there um, but <laughs> obviously they, they, they're getting wrapped up in a bit of excitement and, and, and I think that became a drinking game for, for a couple of people was uh, spot the amount of people wearing inappropriate headwear at the Newcastle game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the owners were there the new ownership were all there they were welcomed uh, with 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 uh, with big open arms uh, th- i saw something from paddy power that they put a giant inflatable sports direct style mug with um just some kind of slogan on it that was like buy mug or something like that or, yeah or yeah, paddy power they they're not averse to getting in on it <laughs> Oh God, no, no! They'll get <laughs> anything that can get them a picture on Facebook. Yeah, mm. um, but but it 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 is exciting times if you are a Newcastle fan or you do have an interest in Newcastle. They were always one of my personal favourite teams for any year that Football Manager or FIFA comes out. Yeah, rebuild that kind of thing. Um, well, they always seemed like primed for that sort of takeover, yeah. and I was kind of I was always kind of like Last big. Year, yeah, there was. Yeah, I was always like uh, clubs that you could get a big takeover, you know, clubs that were kind of like had the right infrastructure and fan base around them where, where like, you know, the next Abramovich or the next whoever owns Man City wants to come in and take over the club. Um, Tottenham, but I don't think you'd prize it. I don't, I don't think, I think Daniel Levy, happy where he is, I don't think he wants that. Um, West Ham, uh, Everton, and Newcastle were kind of like the ones that always seemed like 
maybe uh, Aston Villa as well. Ah, right, okay. All right, okay. Well, you threw a lot of teams out there, though. I don't feel like... I don't, go on, go through the list again. I don't feel like a lot, a lot of them do have a chance, to be honest. All right, uh, I was, it was Newcastle, Tottenham, Villa and West Ham. See, there's too much going on in London for, 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 for some of those teams to be a super club. Do you know what I mean? There's already a... Yeah, there. well, I said, like, with Tottenham, it was kind of like, um, I think Daniel Levy wouldn't want to sell up to some big name and stuff. I think he's ha- quite happy with Spurs where they are. That's his favourite toy. Yeah. He, and you know. He, he, he thinks, you know, he thinks on in Spurs makes him really cool. So that's Yeah. That's him. That's him, you know. He, he likes going into the manager's office and having these like really private conversations where only he gets yeah. to get the information first and you know, then he sells it to the Sun newspaper <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's- I see a point about West Ham. Um that I mean they are a big club. Who have? In what, in what world are West Ham a big club? They've got a big fan base. They do have a, like a very big fan base. Like, um, not in terms of world football. Well, I'd say neither did Man City. I don't think Man City still do really. But nah, Man City still to give tickets away for free. Yeah, and all the things like I couldn't see, for example. Someone like the Saudis, Crown Prince fella, uh, are coming in and doing this and spending, you know, lots of money to turn, let's say, Burnley into the into sort of like a global mega club because because the proposition's not quite attractive enough. Newcastle's like in a big city and it's like a big club with a big fan base, and I think like. I think, like for these kinds of owners, th- there has to be something sexy about the kind of club setup to begin with. Yeah, I don't think. What was sexy? Why did the Chinese? Leicester haven't got, but Leicester haven't got like that kind of super. He's fairly rich. The owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're fairly rich. They're not. Yeah, not Man City rich. No, but they're not. You know, when when you when you when you start getting up into the tens of millions, it's only like pennies to these guys. You know. Yeah, I think Leicester, I mean, they still operate within a certain budget, whereas the likes of Man City, with no budget, just, you know. Leicester have put in really good infrastructure. They've put investment into the stadium, investment into the training grounds, and obviously lots of those things have paid off. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't just a fluke season. They, they've had continued success. They've been able to pick up silverware yeah. um, just as often as most of the teams in the top six um especially Tottenham <laughs> yeah well I don't think I don't think the Leicester owners were necessarily expecting any of that I think they had come in and and bought Leicester because they wanted to they wanted to run a football club and to, and to be in the Premier League um, I don't think they're anywhere near as rich as the likes of Man City and Chelsea and the Glazers and Man U. And I don't think that they necessarily expected to actually go and win the thing and become like a fixture in the top sort of five, six or so. I think that's all kind of been 
that's just come through good management and you know they have invested the money well but yeah I, I don't think i think Leicester's success has been certainly on the back of money that they've spent but not purely because they've just thrown so much money at it uh, for a bit of fun before we wrap up the end of the podcast, um, I'm going to try and predict Manchester uh, Manchester City's Newcastle United's first three signings with their new owners. Uh, Wills, you can obviously chime in if you can come up with three um, in this short space of time, maybe off the top of your head. But, um, I'm yeah. Write down three names that I feel like would probably end up at Newcastle United in the first wave. Number one yeah. on the list is Raheem Sterling. I feel like he's not getting a lot of games over at City currently. He's been swapped in and out the team with Grealish, and Grealish costs a lot of money. And Sterling is somebody that, if sold to Newcastle, could they could retain a lot of the investment. And they've paid a lot of money for Sterling, so if they can retain yeah. a lot of that investment, they'd, they'd take. I reckon they'd take it, um, especially if he's not playing that many games, and especially when he's on such a high. Wage. Uh, the next one on my list is Jamie Vardy. I feel like he'd be an easy option uh, for Newcastle to bring in. They're not going to be able to bring in absolutely out of this world strikers like Mbappe, unfortunately, even if Wills is going to talk in his ear for us. Um, I don't yeah, well, I'm going to see if I can. I'm, I'm going to see if I can organise him to get Mbappe in. <laughs> with a, I'm going to see. We're going to sort of like speak to. I've got to speak to PSG's owners and speak to Newcastle's owners, and we've got to see if we can sort. as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that other guy, but we've got to see if we can sort out. Um, I'm thinking maybe we can get Mbappe to go to Newcastle for 200 million plus John Joe Shelby. Wow! Yeah, yeah. That'll be a good deal. <laughs> With uh, Kelvin Phillips of Leeds, Leeds aren't doing very well, and I feel like Kelvin Phillips might be looking for a way out and a big bumper paycheck, which I don't think he gets paid extremely well at Leeds. But there we have it. Yeah, they're my three predictions for Newcastle United's first three signings: Raheem Sterling, Jamie Vardy, and Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Charles, have you got anyone that you reckon might be in the top three of the first, the first three of Newcastle signings? Well, I haven't kind of had any chance to think about this. Uh, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him going for Erling Haaland. Would he sign? Why would he sign? Um, <laughs> Money, really. Uh, how about Harry Kane? He, he wants away from Tottenham. Ooh, yeah, I feel like if he tries to throw the toys out the pram again, that'll be a a way to save face. He's just as likely to win trophies of Newcastle as he is with Tottenham, but there's loyalty to Tottenham. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a part of me feels like this This was the season, this is. This was the Steven Gerrard to Chelsea season for Kane, and because he, he, he hasn't done it, he's not doing it. He's not going. He's not going nowhere. Yeah. I reckon he's going to be a Tottenham player all of his life. <laughs> poor, poor Harry. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They might kind of go. I mean, they might look at some of the Arsenal players because Arsenal aren't in, aren't in Europe. So, um, Saka, don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, 
crazy signing. I remember Saka signed for Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It's kind of like, I think Arsenal, even though they're not, I mean, obviously Newcastle are in Europe, so it's not like they're, it's not like they're able to dangle the prospect of European football. And Newcastle probably won't be in Europe next season either. Just say that. Um, whereas, whereas Arsenal probably expect to be in Europe next season. They've obviously got, they've given themselves a bit of an uphill, a, a bit of an uphill task, but you know, I imagine Arsenal probably expect themselves to be in Europe next season. Probably remain a bit of a a, a a bit more of a enticing prospect for their own players, the likes of Saka. Yeah, I mean, I just I, that, that 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 what that it would be crazy, but I understand why you're saying it, and it yeah, and yeah. You'll swap the same situation for the same situation with twice the amount of money. Naturally, you would. You know, if if you were a chef and one kitchen was paying you ten pound an hour and the other kitchen wanted to pay you twenty pound an hour, it is the same job. You know what I mean? If you're not in Europe, if you're not doing five star, you know, whatever, it is the same job at the end of the day. So, and it's yeah. be a more, more exciting project for them because it doesn't necessarily look like Arsenal is going to be in for any sort of major major investment or or uh, um, rebuild anytime soon. It does seem to be a bit of a patchwork job over at Arsenal, and and the investment seems to be getting drawn away more and more recently. And they seem to be bringing through more youth players again. So that's not a bad thing, but it does yeah. take time. It does take time when you're going to invest in youth. Yeah. If you're going to sell your youth, you know, if they end up selling Saka. Um, and, and and other players like Saka, then it's going to take even longer. <laughs> you know, you're not going to. Yeah, be I think like you know to to go back to like more realistic options. I think they have, I think they have actually been linked with Jesse Lingard, who, yeah. you know, because yeah, <laughs> decent player Jesse Lingard. Not you know, he's not like the. The kind of Galactico, but I don't. I don't think they are going to go out and sign Galacticos this season. They're gonna, you know, because they are going to have to kind of accept that we're not in Europe this year. Probably not going to be in Europe next year. Uh, we're not going to attract big names, not unless we offer out ridiculous money. And even then, would you question the attitude of the people you get if they're willing to sign? Only because, well, yeah. They're going to try and bring in, in January, they're going to try and bring in a stupidly big name. Yeah. And pay them a boatload of money. Because that's, you know, when you, when you buy an investment, you've got, you've got to spike interest. And that's the kind of thing that's going to spike some interest. It's like Rubinho at Man City. I was, I was trying to think, where were Man City when they signed Rubinho? I know it was after they... Had the money, but had they kind of got into Europe yet, or were they still sort of on the on the up? First big sort of signing, Rubinho, like for City, the first sort of like big big deal. They were spending a lot of money that summer. Don't get me wrong, but they were spending yeah. eight million on players like Giovanni and Elano and players like that. And yeah. Then they spent you know a lot more money on Rubinho. Yeah. The rumours are to be believed. Rubinho thought he was going to sign for Man United that day. <laughs> maybe, 
maybe some unquestionable things might have been going on to get him on the plane to get into the city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't quite it didn't quite work out for him either there. So I think he did fine. But considering yeah. the squad that he had round him, the team that he had round him, everyone being new around him, and the manager right. that he had to work for. Yeah, did he? Have, I mean, I mean, who else was in the city squad? Did they still have like the likes of Paul Dickov and like. I think Dickov was, was was probably maybe managing at that point. Maybe I think he was in his first. Danny Tiato. Paolo Wontop was still there. Sean Gota. Dungey. Yeah, there was uh, Richard Dunn was still there. Sylvan Distan was still there. I think. Also, I think <laughs> signed in from Everton actually. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Dunn was there. It was Dunn and Distan that year at the back. I think. <laughs> so, yeah, exciting times ahead for Newcastle, mate. And uh, I feel like I feel like we've had, we've had a fun one this week, and it was a nice little note to finish on. Yeah. Looking ahead to next weekend's opponents at Oldham, like I've said, I want a bloody win. I really do want a bloody win. So good luck to yeah. Carlisle. Come on, you Blues. Um, yeah, there's nothing else really left for us to say apart from thanks very much for listening, downloading, liking, subscribing, following, and commenting. And if you haven't done so, do it, because it really helps us. It really does. Look out for us. We're going to be in the local newspaper soon, because we ended up somehow in the UK's top 50 Apple podcast football charts. We came in at number 49 the same week we did the Paul Arneson interview, and I think that kick-started a lot of people going through our back catalogue that week, which really propelled us up the Apple podcast charts and got us to a position I would have never thought possible uh, for a Carlisle United podcast. So thank you all for listening, Will. Thank you very yeah. much for all of the time that you've ever spent on the podcast um, and today and for joining us today. And I'll see you again very soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll have something more positive to talk about with Carlisle. Because I'm starved of being able to do that. Do you remember the days? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. No, I don't, no. <laughs> no. But yeah, hopefully things are going to turn themselves around soon because I'd love a couple of victories to talk about. I'd love to watch a couple of nice goals go in. Yeah. Um, it's been a while and uh, we deserve a let-me-up as Carlisle United fans, as Carlisle United supporters. We all deserve a bit of a let-me-up. Football is there to be enjoyed. And it's not that enjoyable right now to be a Carlisle United fan. No. Let's turn things around. Come on, you blues. Come on. Come on, Blue Army. Come on, Blue Army. We'll see you next week right here on the Blue Army podcast. Bye for now. Bye.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.